everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. We're your hosts, Brian, Nathan, I'm JC, and we're coming to you live from the Midwest Meetup in Bourbon, Missouri. We got a live audience with us tonight. Yeah. Yeah. And we are fired up to be here with you this evening. Guys, this has been a great weekend. Oh, man, it's been incredible. Getting to meet family, getting to have meals together, getting to have great conversations together hearing all of the amazing stories from people, and then feeling inspired to continue this ministry and to see it grow because of the difference it's making in people's lives. Meetups make the RFP real. Yeah, and the RFP fam is what makes the RFP great, and we're just thankful for everybody that we've got to meet, putting faces with names and hearing more of the stories. And one of my favorite parts of this week has been hearing updates on stories from emails and conversations we've had in the past and just hearing where you're at now and all that God's doing in your life. It's so encouraging to see that God is faithful. He will finish what he started in us. And this is just a taste of what's coming in the future as we have already announced the camp meetings are coming in 2022 and we're fired up about that. Uh, Those are going to be coming to a city near you. Be looking uh, towards the end of this year for updates as we will be announcing where those cities are at and what those meetups are going to be. we got a good taste of it tonight uh, here at the Midwest Meetup. Dudley, Matt Dudley brought the message, and uh, his worship team, man, they brought the house down. That that band in with some good stuff. That was fierce. Yeah, I loved it. Loved every minute of it. Hey, we also, at the meetup, we gave out some incredible soap. Everybody in the room got some Free Life Soap tonight. Let's give a big hand for Free Life Soap. And you know it's almost time for pumpkin spice. Mm. Brian's going to pull out his Ugg boots and (laughs) turn into a basic white girl. It's going to be great. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I don't like anything pumpkin. But your wife does. She does. Yeah, the pumpkin spice soap is good. Mm. We'll go with it. It smells like fall. So does leaves burning. <laughs> <laughs> we do want to thank Miss McCribbin. She sent a massive box of soap here to Bourbon, Missouri. So be sure to go to recoveringfundamentalist.org. Click on the Free Life Soap tab. Use your promo code RFP and get 20% off of your order when you do that. And it'll help Miss McCurban. Pumpkin spice smell will be coming out real soon. So Brian is going to smell like coffee. It's going to be great. I'm going to smell like Starbucks in the fall. Mm, shout out. Hey, we also want to thank a brand new sponsor yes. of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. A lot of you that are here at the meetup, you've seen him running cameras. And Loot Box Creative is part of the RFP fam now. And uh, we want to give a big thank Woo! to Loot Box. Nate, tell us a little bit about Loot Box. So Loot Box Creative is going into the ministry. It's a brand new company. And Josh Chapman and some of his friends are starting this company, and they are wanting to serve churches. JC, how many people do you have on staff in your media Seven. Seven people on staff. How many pastors in here can afford a seven-staff-member media team? Brian, what do you have, like three? We have three. We, We don't even have three at our church, but what Lootbox Creative is doing is they're coming alongside to help churches. They're not just offering generic videos. They're wanting to build specific packages for your church. There's so many thing that, things that go into media and video, whether it's sermon bumpers, whether it's uh, audio, video announcements, so many different things, and they want to build packages specifically for churches and make it affordable for churches. So if you can't afford to hire an entire team, 
you guys need to look at lootboxcreative.org. That's L-O-O-T, lootboxcreative.org. Josh, yeah. thank you so much for all you're doing for the RFP. And that's really important because, you know, Paul and others in the New Testament would often go to the public square to do ministry because the public square gave them the greatest access to the greatest amount of people. Today, media is the public square. Yeah, amen. You have to meet people at the public square, and you do that through uh, media and technology. And so that's an awesome ministry. Yeah. We're excited to have Lootbox on as a sponsor of the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Hey, we also want to give a shout out to Brian and Liz. They were at our meetup taking some incredible pictures. Uh, they got pictures of the whole weekend, did some selfies. And so we want to thank Brian and Liz. They weren't able to be here for all of the event. They're heading up to upstate Michigan to shoot a wedding. So Brian and Liz, thanks for being part of the meetup. So I'm excited about today's episode. So we got six folks from the RFP fam that are going to be sharing their story today because there is power in a story, and we're excited for you to hear their stories. Are y'all ready for this episode? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. I think we should do it. Y'all say, let's go with me. One, two, three. Let's, let's go. Covering Fundamentalist Podcast begins in three. These podcasts, <laughs> podcasts, that sounds like a conviction of beans or peas to me. I, podcast. Listen, in these recovering fundamentalists, they don't know the Bible either. What are the fundamentals? Inerrancy, virgin birth of Jesus Christ, Amen. substitutionary atonement, Amen. bodily resurrection Amen. of Christ, and the authenticity of miracles. Hi, man! Two. I am not a recovering fundamentalist. They're everywhere. They're all over the internet. They want to be, uh, what do they call it? Recovering from fundamentalism. They're everywhere. And I think to myself, well, you were just stupid to begin with. And if there's such a word, you're stupider now. We ain't recovering from nothing good, neighbor. We're reviving from the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, Everybody wants to focus on recovering. Oh, you're recovering. Oh, you need yeah. help. You need therapy. You're recovering. Let's focus on fundamentalist. We're recovering fundamentalism back from people who have hijacked it. We are biblical Phew. family. We are the fundamentalist. Man. That'll make a Baptist want to speak in tongues right there, boys. One. I'm going to tell you one thing. Uh, we better stay uh, in the old paths. But what are the old paths? I've heard that my whole life, and nobody's ever been able to tell me what the old paths or the old time religion really is because it's whatever era you mm -hmm. overly romanticize in your mind as being when the church was it. right. Mm. Like it, lump it, pump it, chump it, take it across the street and dump it. We've raised a generation that is ashamed of our forefathers and act like they were somehow done wrong in the way they were brought up and they were damaged and they were scarred because they were raised in a home that had standards and convictions and kept them on the old time way. You got their number, boys. Y'all thought you started the podcast. You went and started a movement. Thanks for joining us for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Make sure to stay tuned at the end of the show to hear more about the RFP sponsors. Now, here's your host for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, Nathan Cravat, J.C. Groves, and Brian Edwards.
Everybody, we're coming to you live from Bourbon, Missouri. We're excited that you're here tonight. And uh, this episode is going to be great. It's six stories of the RFP fam. And I think we need to go ahead and get this started. What do you think, Brian? Absolutely. You know, um, I've been listening to people share their stories this week, and it reminded me uh, when Naomi came back um, after having taken that costly journey and uh, she had lost, in her mind, everything. She came back and she said to the people, call me Mara, which means empty. There's no record of anyone ever calling her that. It was just how she defined herself. And I think there are a lot of people who've left fundamentalism, and I've been hearing from them this weekend, and they feel like they're empty. And, and you've declared your identity to be, I'm empty. But that's how you define you. That's not how Jesus defines you. And I'm so glad that when she came back and she thought she was empty, God brought someone along with her, which became a part of God's redemptive story. And so I just want to say to everybody in the room tonight, just because you've left fundamentalism, it doesn't mean you're empty. Yeah. There is future fruit that you don't even realize, that you don't even understand, and you're going to be a great part of God's redemptive story. Amen. That's why I'm excited about these stories Amen. tonight. Amen. That's incredible. Good word, Brian. I love it. So we're going to get started right now with our first RFP fam. This is Shanna Dinsmore, and we're excited to hear your story. You've been listening to the podcast from day one, right? The very first episode. You're an ex-fundy community first right episode. there. I found my people. That's so. good. How'd mm -hmm. you find the podcast? Uh, my friend actually uh, knew, I guess, a friend of yours. And uh, she's like, you have to listen to this. And I was like, oh, there are people out there like me. Um, and it was just so encouraging. And so, yeah, I've been here since the very beginning. Yeah. Well, share your story with us. I would love to. So um, I was born and raised in an IFB church. Uh, my parents were very uh, faithful um, Christians who love Jesus. And um, we went to the camp meetings and wore the skirts and the culottes and all of the things. And um, my story really is about me coming out of the IFB and the way the Lord um, kind of orchestrated all of that with me um, really kicking and screaming, to be very honest with you. Um, I uh, became a believer at a very young age. I was five years old. Um, and I was so real, and I remember it like it was yesterday. It was really um, darkness to light, even at five. Um, so those children, they are, they are listening, and they are paying attention um, to us. Um, when I was eight, uh, I was I began having like dreams, and I felt the Lord really um, directing me into ministry at eight. And um, so I have a huge passion for children's ministry, um, and that stuck with me all through um, elementary. I went to an IFB uh, school, elementary, middle school, high school. Um, I was offered multiple uh, scholarships to play volleyball at different universities, and uh, my burden for ministry never left. And so what do you do? You go to Bible college. That's what you do. Um, and as a woman, it's very different, and it's hard, and it doesn't look the same. Um, I felt like, uh, for me, the teaching uh, was more surface level for women, and I wanted like the deep things. Like, if you're at a table talking theology, like I want to be there with you. Like, um, that's where my heart is. And so, uh, yeah, I double majored. I thought that I would end up on the mission field teaching, and the Lord had very different plans for me. Um, 
I graduated, and what do you do when you're single and you want to be in the ministry? Like, no church is going to hire a single woman. You can't go to the mission field then, especially, as a single woman. So I went back home uh, to my IFB church and taught at the Christian school for $50 a week. $50 a week, pay off that student loan for $50 a week. Uh, and I ran the children's ministry for free, because that's what you do. You do all the things, you wear all the hats, and um, to the glory of God, right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, during this time, uh, I met my husband, and he grew up a Southern Baptist, but very legalistic. And so he kind of knew where I was coming from on some things, but he saw loopholes that I didn't. And um, when you were born and raised in a church and you grew up with the same people, your family is there, um, I didn't leave willingly. <laughs> um, he was like, I, this is not where we're supposed to be. This is not where the Lord has us. And I'm like, yes, it is. Like, yes, it is, clearly. Um, and so we were having, like, the Holy Spirit was working on both of us at this time, I think. And um, I was scared of what would people think of me? Like, I had this very, and I'm still struggling with this, like this very um, perfectionistic, like everyone has to like me. And so if I were to leave the church, like what would my, par my parents think? What would my family think? Like all those things. So um, we, I agreed to, um, we would start looking and um, I was still teaching at the time and through different events that the Lord orchestrated, um, I left the Christian school and with that, the church and you guys, you guys know what I mean when I say church shopping, like that's what I call it, it's the worst. And so we began that. Um, and during this time, we um, were trying to have a baby and we were told that that was probably not possible. And so um, the Lord gave us, like I got pregnant with twins and um, we lost them, um, which was devastating. The most devastating thing, am I allowed to cry because this happens? Will you cry with me? Okay. <laughs> the, because like we don't talk about this, ladies, do we? Like this is hard and we don't talk about this in the church. Um, the most devastating thing to me was the people that I grew up with and loved since I was a baby never checked on me. They never reached out to me. I walked it by myself. I remember, um, my husband, I was like, I mean, I was crushed, and I was on our bedroom floor, and I had a Bible next to me, and my husband just heard me sobbing, and he walked in the room, and I took my Bible, and I just threw it against the wall, and I just started screaming, like, what are you doing, God? Like, why? What are you doing? What kind of good God does this? Um, and he just held me, and he's like, we're going to get through this together, and we just cried. The next day, I was telling someone uh, the story. And instead of entering my grief with me, like my husband did, like Christ did, they said, you need to be careful about throwing that Bible and throwing God's word. And be careful about yelling at God. He's reverent. And I, that for me was a turning point of, this isn't a good God if this is what it's like. And I don't want anything to do with it. Um, man, he's so kind and he's so faithful and he did not, he kept pursuing my heart. He kept pursuing my heart. He would watch scripture in the King James because that's what I knew over me and he never left my side. 
we started attending a church um, in Louisiana where we lived, and uh, I just, I was hurt, and I did not, I wanted to show up on a Sunday morning, and I wanted to go home. I did not want to serve, because I've done that my entire life. I did not want to do, uh, I just wanted, I didn't want anyone to see me, because like, if I'm entering pain, you're not going to be there for me anyway, so I don't want to be there. So we did that, and through a series of events, the Lord moved us from Louisiana. Um, oh, not yet. I got pregnant again with my daughter during this time. And um, 27 weeks, I went into labor with her, and um, I was put on a hospital bed rest for a whole month. Um, couldn't get out of bed. It was awful. Um, and not one person came to visit me, even still. Nobody. The people that I've done life with, and I mean, at this time, I was 27, so um, they could just throw it all away. And I'm like, you know, this is not what God is like, and I don't um, want to be like these people. And so that, that began my journey of like, what, what is, what is, like, I don't want to know what, like, a preacher tells me. Like, I want to know what does the Bible say. And so um, the Lord moved us to um, Dallas, where we are now, and we had my son, and then I experienced, um, I promise, my story is really beautiful. I experienced severe postpartum depression by myself because we had no family, no friends, no church. Um, and now when I look back on it, it was those midnight, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., crying, crying, that like, a hymn or a worship song would come in my head, or my son who did not sleep. Uh, it was me rocking him, singing like scripture over him, um, that I'm like, the Lord is still here with me and kept gently like drawing me to himself. Um, so through all of this, I was recommended a book, and I highly recommend it, called Women of the Word. And um, it completely, other than scripture, transform my life. Um, what do you do when you don't know like how to study the Bible for yourself? Um, even graduating from Bible college at that time, that wasn't a huge priority for the women because like we're supposed to get married and have babies, right? Like, um, so what do you do when that's not what God has for you? Um, so we, um, I began to like I'm going to use the term deconstruct, but please hear me when I say this. I began tearing about like all of these man-made things. And I'm like, what does the Bible say? And that book really, really helped me um, because biblical illiteracy is one of the biggest things that plagues our churches. And if I can't look at the scripture and say, okay, um, this is what the Bible says, this is um, not in context, they just pulled that. That is not what is happening. Um, that has really helped me kind of rebuild um, my relationship like with the Lord, but not just with the Lord. Like I can see his goodness through all of it now that I can study the scripture for myself. And so like that's like my biggest when I say like learn to study the word for yourself. Um, and so through that, we found a home church, and it is amazing, and the people love us 
well. They enter our sufferings with us well. Um, they call out our gifts and encourage us to use it. And for me being a woman where that's what I have always wanted um, is I want to be, I want to, we're brother and sister. I want to do life with you. Like let's be brother and sister um, and let's do this together. And um, that's where we're at now. Um, and it's so great. Like I'm on staff now at this church. If you would have asked me like 15 years ago, I would have laughed at you. Like that's not at all um, how my life was going. Uh, so it's so kind right now that I, like I write curriculum for our church. And so I'm writing what these children are gonna be learning and I can make sure that it is solid and biblical and true and that it is not um, fluffy. And I mean, our kids, guys, our kids, they are little theologians and they can learn. So, um, I mean, I was eight years old and so, yeah, all that to say, that's where I'm at now. Um, and just another word of encouragement. I would say that for me, I am five, probably five years, six years removed from all of that. Um, the Lord's kindness is there. I don't get like triggered by like IFB sermon clips and things like that. But let's talk about like biblical literacy. That's what we're going to talk about. Um, but I, um, I started counseling because I, um, there are still things in my formative years in the IFB that will trickle up sometimes. And like, so it's an ongoing thing that always has to be laid before Christ. Um, and like, even as a mom, I don't know any other way to raise my children than the way that I was raised, but I know that's not what I want for them. And so, um, yeah, counseling, it's a good gift of God's grace to us. He cares about our mind as well as our hearts. Um, and so, yeah, it is, I'm just being faithful with what the Lord has in front of me right now. So. Yeah. Let's give it up for Shannon. <laughs> Listening to her story and hearing the journey of where God has taken her is so encouraging because it reminds me of my story. Reminds me of all of our stories as we started this whole podcast journey out, sharing our stories and to hear how it's affecting other people and how God is using you to help other people. It's, it's a beautiful thing and it reflects the glory back to God. And when she's talking about learning to study the Bible for yourself, we don't need an earthly priest. We don't need a man of God to be the Holy Spirit for us. God has given us all that we need in Christ Jesus, all that we need for life and for godliness. And we just need to walk in that and believe that. But the word of God that is the truth of God is what changes us. It's what changes us from the inside out. So thank you so much. And just keep trumpeting and echoing that story and pointing back to Jesus. Thank you, Shannon. All right, so we're going to be continuing with uh, Fletcher Shaw, and uh, Fletcher's going to share his story. I had the opportunity to spend some time with Fletcher, guys. He came down and spent some time with, with me in Danville. I had the privilege of hearing his heart, seeing this young man's passion for Jesus. And Fletcher, you have a powerful story, and I know that God's going to use it mightily. Why don't you share it with us? Uh, well, hey guys, my name is Fletcher Shaw, and um, again, I, I don't think I ever thanked you for the weekend that I got to spend with you, but I wanted to thank you. Uh, I texted you, but you don't check your text, but it's okay. It's okay. I didn't, I didn't answer my phone call. It's cool. 
but uh, no, I appreciate the opportunity to get to get to share with you guys a little bit of uh, my experience. And uh, man, like my story, I'll be, I'll be completely honest. Like God brings us all through, you know, our individual stories, and it all has a purpose in our own lives. And ultimately, that purpose is for His glory and for our good. Um, and I'm glad we realized that. But um, man, some of the stories that I've heard, like they make me, they make me, they make my stomach hurt. They make me realize, like, honestly, I know I understand sometimes it's bitterness, but I understand, like, man, like, thank you, God, for bringing me out of some of the stuff that, you know, I was in, in and I wasn't in nearly half of the stuff that I've heard um, um, this weekend. So uh, just praise God that he's brought you guys out of that as well. Um, so I grew up IFB. It's a little bit different camp. It's a smaller camp. It's not like the Hiles crowd or the West Coast crowd. It was kind of like a not really in the middle, just just a small camp that not really many people know about. Um, I decided to go to uh, Heartland Baptist Bible College in uh, in Oklahoma City um, for my first year, and I was recommended by my church. And uh, really, that was the only church that they they affiliated with, so that was the church I was going to go to. <clears throat> and uh, really, I was kind of the rebel in high school. Anyway, um, I listened to Hillsong worship, Elevation worship coming up, and you man. Heathen. Right then and there, it was like, mm, you're probably not saved, or, you, you know, if anything, you just, you're definitely misguided, you're not very spiritual, so you're the guy that nobody really cares about, you need to kind of just, just stay away from that kid, right, <clears throat> so I've always been like that, and I can credit that to my sister, because my sister got out of it at a young age, and I just thought she was crazy, yeah, and little did I know she was completely correct, um, but uh, anyway, so I would start asking questions. I'm really skipping a lot. Um, but I would start asking questions in college about music. Um, why is it that drums are wrong on stage, but yet they're mentioned in the Bible? And people would just give me answers like, well, it's, a, it's, it's associated with the world. And I'm like, okay, but Beethoven in, in, in that kind of music, that's cool. Um, you know, there's, there's secular um, a music that just has piano and all that kind of stuff. And uh, that wasn't good enough. That was just, you can't associate anything with the world. And you guys have had experience with that. You can't go to movie theaters, can't, can't do anything. There's no alcohol, anything like that. So um, I started out questioning things like that and never got any straight answers from any, any of my uh, authority at, at the college, my old pastor, anything like that. It, they always told me I had a rebellious spirit if I would even question those things. Um, and, and I was at the point, and I, and I thank God for this, that I, I got to a point where I did not care about what any person, man, preacher, anybody said. Um, all I wanted was what God's Word said. Um, because I knew that, what, like what Matt was saying, there's actual turmoil, and act, there's people literally dying and going to hell um, on the daily, and we're sitting here arguing about tattoos. Um, I, I got sick of it because I, I work. I worked the secular job. I worked, you know, full time, and I would see my coworkers come in, and I just knew, like, hey, share the love of Jesus with them. That's that just if anything, just share the love of Jesus. Be kind with them. Um, care about them in their everyday lives, no matter what they're going through, who they are. And I had homosexual coworkers. Um, I had people that were uh, that were suicidal, and uh, I didn't care. All I looked at them was that's a person that Jesus died for and that He cares about. Um, it doesn't matter who they are. And so I would just just inquire about their lives, and I would care about them. I would just tell them, hey, I'm praying for you, even though even if you're an atheist, look, I just want you to know I care. 
And uh, that resonated with a lot of my coworkers to start off with. Um, and they would come up to me and be like, look, I'm not a Christian, um, but I want you to know that you're the first Christian that's treated me like this. And I'm like, man, that is so sad. And I'm not trying to, to boost myself up or anything like that, but that, that burdened me. And I'm like, man, if we have the truth, right, in the IFB world, if King James only, this set of music is, is where it's at, why on earth are we not winning people? Like, the truth is what won people. Jesus spoke truth. Jesus is truth. So why are we not winning more people? And so I just said, look, I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to dive into the Word. If it leads me down a road that they say is wrong or whatever, I don't care. Like, I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. And uh, it was tough because I was, I was in a relationship at the point who is now my wife, and I was about to propose, and I was like, man, if God takes me down this road, I might not have a wife here, here soon. Um, but, but by the grace of God, uh, she went through it with me, and uh, she opened her eyes about the same time, and it was, it's just a great story. Um, but anyway, so that's what I did. And I just said, look, this is what the Word says. I'm, I'm going to do this no matter what anybody says. And so I, I heard a, a preacher say, this is one of the, I'm going to kind of skip. That's kind of my, my, um, ide- or my thinking in it, right? So if there's anybody out there that's like, ah, I just don't want to upset my pastor. And I know that's a real fear. Like fear of man's a real thing in the IFB church. And in many churches, um, it, that's a real thing. Um, but getting God's word, read the gospels, like we just sang the song, Red Letters, Jesus is completely different from anything that you hear, see in the IFB church. Completely, it's a different Jesus in most cases. Um, and, and that's what burdened me is, look, I'm going to love people no matter what, like Jesus did. Um, and, and one of the things that really got me going is I heard a pastor recently say, he said that, uh, if we give God our best, He'll give us His best. And man, everybody, amen, that's, amen, that's awesome. And I'm just sitting there thinking, number one, our best is filthy rags. It's, it is amen. dirt compared to who God amen, is. Amen, Fletcher. And two, He already did give us His best. That's Christ. That's Jesus and what He did on the cross. And that's their whole mentality is, look, it wasn't even giving Him our best in the sense of, look, live for Him, love people like I love people, get in my word because you want to have a deep relationship with me. It was, make sure you're wearing your suit and tie when you go to church. Women, make sure it's your skirts. It has to be King James only. Don't question King James only because we're not going to give you a straight answer anyway. We're just going to put fear into you and make you think, we're the man of God. Don't touch God's anointing. I'm getting on a rant. That's kind of what we do here, I guess. (laughs) But, (laughs) so, ADDJC, I'm with you. Um, but but that's that's the whole thing. One of the things that really, really got me and it really um, kind of boosted my my love for Jesus and my walk with Him. If if you, Peter, when he denied Jesus, he denied Him three times. You know, he's around. First of all, he denied her the first two times to a to a teenage girl, basically, right? Like, you you know, you're you're following that Jesus guy. Ah, no no no, I don't know him. And he got to the point where he damned the name of God. He said, basically what he's saying is, damn my soul if I know that man. That's some serious stuff, right? <clears throat> and so, fast forward, Jesus dies, Jesus raises. And uh, he's, already, he's already come to the apostles, right? And, and they've already seen like the risen Lord. Well, Peter gets to a point where he still doesn't really trust God's plan. And he's like, look, 
I'm going fishing, right? And I'm with him. I'm going fishing too. I love going fishing. So he and some of the disciples, they go fishing. You guys know the story, John 21. So he goes fishing, and he's in the boat, and they don't catch nothing, right? If, the, if you're remembering, this is just like how Jesus met him the first time. And so Jesus is on the shore, and he says, hey, cast your net on the right side of the boat. They do so, just like when he first met him. They catch an abundance of fish that they can't contain. <clears throat> and Peter immediately, immediately knows that's Jesus. And what does he do? He jumps in, and he doesn't care. He just swims to him. Now, if you're in an IFB church or an IFB, most circumstances, if you're in that boat and you know just days prior, you just blaspheme the name of God, right? Say you're in Peter's situation and you see him a couple days later, you're going, dude, I got to hide. I got to get down in this boat because I just did some terrible stuff. The love of God was so real to Peter. He just said, no, I'm getting in. I'm going. I'm going to him. I don't care what he thinks of me. That's who he is. That's who I am. And so he, he loves Jesus so much. And that's what should motivate us is not our love for what we do, for how we can please God. Because remember, our righteousness is filthy rags. But because of who God is, he's holy, he's perfect, he's just. There's so many different attributes to God. We should just be in so awestruck of his love and grace, everything about him, that we should just say, hey, God, I'm nothing anyway, but here I am. And that's all God wants. That's what God desires for us. He's a loving God. He's a saving God. Whatever your pastor says that contradicts the Bible, just question it. Just question it and just say, look, if it doesn't say it, I'm not going to believe it. Um, so that's kind of my whole, it's not even really my story. That's just kind of the mentality that I have coming through it. Um, I have family that are still in it. Uh, I love them to death. Thank God they love me. We don't really talk about it, which is a good thing. It's kind of like a political conversation. You just don't talk about it. <clears throat> so... Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And uh, the, if I can tell you guys really quick, I'm, I'm going over my time, but hey, who hasn't? <laughs> sorry, sorry. So the way I heard about your podcast is I was at uh, a Bible college, and uh, um, the president of the Bible college, he said, uh, um, there's, you know, there's this guy that we know, he's an old friend of ours, and he's starting up this podcast with a couple other guys, and uh, it's called the Recovering Fundamentalist Podcast. Everybody's like, whoa, satanic, devil worship. And, uh, of course, I look at one of my friends. My friend, his name's Dave. He's, uh, he came out of it just like me. He's my best friend. We've been walking through this together. Shout out to Dave. He's genuinely, uh, he loves the Lord, and it, it's awesome. Anyway, um, I look at him, and I'm like, that's our podcast. That's what we got to listen to. And, uh, and he's like, dude, we're devil worshipers. I was like, dude, we're devil worshipers. So... <clears throat> um, so I, that's how I listened, found you guys' podcast. And immediately I was like, hey, Brian, um, whether you like it or not, I'm driving to your house. And like, <laughs> that's kind of how, how it went down. So um, if I could just say one last thing, just, just get in God's word and make that the priority because that's what's, that's what's life-giving. Uh, uh, the gospel changes everything. It's whose T-shirt? Your T-shirt. Um, and, and it is. The gospel is not just essential for your salvation. The gospel is essential for every single part of your life. And that's what's going to motivate you to keep going. That's great. Fletcher, thank you so much for sharing your story, man. I don't know of any better advice anyone can give than to stay in the word and just uh, keep pursuing Jesus, keep loving him because he's pursuing you. No matter what you've done, no matter how hard you've fallen, no matter how far you've gone, he loves you. He's pursuing you. Thank you.
So tonight we're already realizing that there's power in a story and uh, it really makes sense why the Apostle Paul, whose life was changed on the road to Damascus, would frequently share his story. And by sharing his story, it was ultimately a story of the gospel and the gospel work in his life. And that's what we're seeing uh, through these stories tonight, that God works through people's lives. And often a story is more powerful than a sermon. And uh, Adam's going to share his story. I know it's going to be powerful. Uh, Adam, why don't you tell us about your journey, and how God's still at work in your life. Um, first of all, I just want to say how much I appreciate all three of you guys. Y'all are such a blessing. Um, I found you guys, surprisingly. Um, y- y'all know how YouTube does crazy things sometimes? It just gives you, puts a video as something for you to watch, and we're like, why in the world did it give me that video to watch? Well, that's what happened. <laughs> and Phil Kidd popped up on there. And he was advertising and saying, I'm going to be on the re- them bunch of loose lift liberals. And I was like, "Thank you, Phil. why is Phil Kidd going on there? So I listened to it. I was like, hey, these guys know. What and I went all the way back to episode one, caught all the way up. And man, it's just it's been a blessing ever since. But I grew up just 20 minutes from Bryan, a little town called Reesville, North Carolina. Yep. And um, just a bunch of country churches there. And... Whenever I was growing up, I'm, one of the first memories I had as like a three, four-year-old little boy was my pastor. He could hack. Oh, he could, he get up there. He could go. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And he, I mean, every three or four words he was hacking, and that's my first memories of church. As I, and then unfortunately he fell into sin, and he left. And he had to leave the church. I don't remember, remember I was a little boy. I just remember okay, one Sunday he's there and the next Sunday he's gone. Okay, what's going on here? Then a couple years later, our family, um, situations we couldn't control, we were asked to leave. We went to this next church and the pastor got hooked on Jack Howes. I mean, hook, line, and sinker. Pastor school every single year. Really started pushing... King James only, double inspiration. I mean, just started going down the whole road. And just, I, I, and I, I fell hook, line, and sinker into it too. And I was like, yes, this is what I want. And I was saved at eight years old um, when I watched, in a watch night service. And after that, man, I mean, we, our family just fell right into it. My parents were bus captains. Um, every Saturday, all day, we were going on the bus route. Every Sunday, we were on the bus route picking them up and taking them back. I mean, it was just, just like Ethan was up here just a little bit ago. I mean, it was every day we were, we were at it. And it was, and we look back now, it's like, man, we missed so much family time um, because of that. And when I say this, this church and this pastor really fell into Howells Anderson, Jack Howells, I mean, he, it was so man-centered that every time he got up to the pulpit, Literally, we had two guys that would be on this side of the, of the auditorium. They would backflip all the way to the other side of the auditorium to celebrate the fact that the man of God stepped up to the pulpit. And I was like, yes, this is church right here. No, it was not. It was a circus. That's exactly right. 13 years old, I did feel the call to go into ministry, the call to preach. And so I, I got into the preacher's boy club there at the church and started doing that. But then a few years go by, and 
we the pastor started saying some things from the pulpit that were just totally wrong. And I feel bad saying this because the, the, the man just passed away just a few weeks ago. Um, and he, his, he, he changed a whole lot. But during that time, it was just, there were so many things being said. And my family just said, enough. And we left, uh, went to another church. But when that happened, I, I went down a very slippery slope. I started living a double life. I would show up to church in this, in this small little IFE church. We were still... Wear a suit and tie every single every single week. Um, I would look the part and act the part, and everybody would say, "Oh, Adam, you're such a great young man." And be like, "Yeah." And then I would leave church, go to work, go to school, no care whatsoever. I was just just like the world, saying things and doing things. I never got into drugs or alcohol. I saw how it affected a person in my family, so I never got into that kind of stuff. But I, but I wanted nothing to do with God. My pastor, my new pastor, his son, um, invited me to go to Sword of Lord Conference. The year before, he had, he had given his life to the Lord and um, repented of a lot of things. And so I fell right alongside with him the following year. And we, went to, we, we actually started attending the same college. God changed my life there. And um, after that, I was like, okay, God, what's next? I will say the greatest thing I got out of Bible college was my wife, Megan. And um, she says that now, too, now because now she's back in school because of that college. <clears throat> so I get married. I'm thinking there's, there's, I got to be getting to a church here real soon. I got to be uh, in the ministry. It didn't happen. Started working a full-time job. Lost my job. A month later, found out we were having my son. Couldn't get a job. God, what are you doing? A couple years passed by. My wife is teaching at a Christian school, Baptist church, and um, they were not King James only. They played contemporary music. I, I told my wife, I said, I ain't going there. I want nothing to do with it. Every year they had a special service for their teachers, right at the beginning of the school year. I ain't never going. And she's like, okay, that's fine. Well, one year I decided to go. It was a few months after my son was born. Oh, a month after he was born. And y'all, this was bad. This is so bad. I literally, they started singing, here I am to worship, and shout to the Lord. I got so mad. I, I reached over and pinched my, my one-month-old son. I pinched him. To make him cry just so I could get out of that. I was, that was that, like, ah, I don't want nothing to do with this. And then, just a couple months later, they have a fall festival every year. They put Christmas cards out. They had ESV verses on there. And the handbook said, we memorize scripture for King James Bible. And I was like, we ain't doing that. My, my wife and I both. We ain't doing that. Y'all say your King James memorization, you don't need to have Christmas cards out here with ESV on there. And they kind of just looking at us like, oh, a bunch of weirdos. What is wrong with y'all? <laughs> Literally, the pastor took, 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 us, took us into the office. What is wrong with y'all? That's how I'm looking at you right now. I know, right? <laughs> so, I don't know if y'all remember this or not, but y'all remember the 20 for 20 about the IFB cult episode? It was about 10 years ago it came out. And I was part of it. At that time, I was serving as a youth leader, and the IF and, and that IP episode came out. It was a good church. And the 
past, and the pastor and me talked about it, and I said, you know what? All IFB churches ain't like what was on that episode. And I remember putting something on Facebook, and I remember somebody came back to me and said, you do know there are a lot of hurt people out there. That was my first instinct of really thinking some things through. Then I saw Jack Scott fall. Man, that was on such a high pedestal, and that was such a big thing coming from where I came from. I had such a high view of man. I wanted to copy a man of God so bad that I wanted to be just like them. And when I saw him fall, I was like, man, what is going on here? And then my grandfather got cancer. And the last couple months were tough. I mean, we were sitting, we, we were sitting there and we were just having a hard time communicating. But I remember one of the last things he looked at me and said, Adam, be who God wants you to be. Don't be somebody else. Be who God wants you to be. And I remember every January, um, Martin Luther King weekend, because I had an extra day weekend off from, from work, uh, I would, we would go see my in-laws up in Virginia. And I remember we were traveling late one night. I remember looking over at my wife, and I said, we need to talk. The kids were sleeping in the back. I said, we need to talk. And she said, okay, about what? I said, there needs to be some changes in our life. I started to look back at some things, and it was like, that was so wrong. So we've been on this journey now for seven years. I remember sitting across from my pastor, Randy Hester, pastor's community Baptist in Reesville, North Carolina. Looked right across from him in his living room. Started telling him what I was feeling, what I was going through. And I looked at him and I said, I want to leave. I want to get away from it. But I, I, I don't want to make anybody upset. How do I do that? And he looked at me, he just quoted a verse. And he said, fear of man is a snare. The fear of man is a snare. And I have, I've, I've looked that way going forward now because if I, had, if I had a life verse, it's Psalms 42, 1 and 2. As a deer pan for the water brooks, so my soul longs for thee, O God. And I love the beginning of the second verse where it says, I long for the living God. My focus now is not on pleasing a man or any man. My focus, my life's goal is to please God with my life. I'm thankful for where God's brought me. I look back now and I say, God, why did you never put me in ministry somewhere? I'm thankful now that I never did have to go into it. Even though I dealt with it, but from a full-time ministry or any type of ministry position, I never had to deal with that. And now God's put us where we're at now in South Carolina, and we're thankful for how God's using us and how he's um, moving us in our journey of just following him right now. That's awesome. Man, that's awesome. That's good. Adam, you know, ran into Adam in uh, Vegas, and, man, just had an incredible conversation there. And uh, it was really cool because he was, what I love about the RFP fam, it's big and it's growing and we're here for each other. I saw folks on the live feed tonight uh, as we were here at the meetup in Dudley was teaching. There's folks commenting on there how, you know, this this video used to be a guilty pleasure. I just love that I'm free now. And uh, just to see Adam in, in Vegas and, you know, was was like, man, I need some, some folks to come around me. And me and my wife get on the airplane and this guy's sitting two seats up from us. He goes, I don't mean to bother you. His name is Bob. What's Bob's last name? 
Bob Clark, he's a pastor in Indiana, and uh, we were able to connect them two, and then he showed up in Statesboro, and here he is in, uh, in Bourbon, and man, just to see Adam, each time we see him, it's like God is just growing him and continuing to do just, he, the work that he started in him is just very evident, and Adam, thanks for sharing your story tonight, man, it's great. To be continued, join us next week. Thanks for listening to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Be sure to stop by our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us a follow. Also, go to our website, recoveringfundamentalist.org. That's recoveringfundamentalist.org. There you can find Recovering Fundamentalist swag. You can get your T-shirts and hats. You can join our ex-fundy community. See where we're going to be having some meetups. It's the recoveringfundamentalist.org. Be sure to join us next time for the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. <laughs>